0: I like what the late great pastor Adrian Rogers once said. He said, growing churches love and loving churches grow. Growing churches love and loving churches grow. Growing churches are made up of growing followers of Jesus. Loving churches are made up of loving followers of Jesus. I believe this was certainly true of the church in Thessalonica years and years ago. And I believe this is also true of our church today. Growing churches love and loving churches grow. I believe that speaks to you and to me as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. We are continuing in our study through 1 Thessalonians and I want to remind us of four points about Uh, The believers in Thessalonica, this Thessalonian church, uh, as we continue our study of this final fantastic passage of Scripture in chapter five. So we're going to move through these points real quickly. Uh, We've already touched on these points in our study through 1 Thessalonians, but I want to remind us this morning because I believe it's applicable to where God's going to take us uh, this morning uh, through our time together with him. Number one, the church in Thessalonica was a growing church. They were growing In their relationship with Christ Jesus. They were living what they were learning from God's word. In chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, Additionally, then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God, as you are doing, say that with me out loud, as you are doing, do this even more, for we know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. These believers were living and pleasing God like a great coach, like a great parent, like a great pastor. Paul challenged them to do this even more. Secondly, the church in Thessalonica was a loving church. The believers in Thessalonica loved one another, and they loved Paul, Silas, and Timothy. In verses 9 and 10 of chapter 4, Paul said, And about brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia, but we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. Paul, once again, Encourage the believers to love one another more and more in Christ Jesus. The church in Thessalonica was also an encouraging church. These believers encouraged one another with God's truth. Paul challenged them. Paul encouraged the believers in Thessalonica to encourage one another with the truth he was sharing to them in his letter to them. Paul knew God's truth would encourage them To stand firm in their faith in Christ Jesus as they faced persecution and opposition for their faith in Christ Jesus. Paul knew God's truth would encourage them specifically regarding the coming of Jesus for followers of Jesus. The fourth point we see is the church in Thessalonica was a young church. They were young in their faith in Christ Jesus. They were brand new believers. This was a brand new church plant. Paul, Silas, and Timothy taught them faithfully, lovingly, and patiently the truth of God's word. I believe we have a lot in common with the church in Thessalonica. We are a growing church. We are a loving church. We are an encouraging church. We are a church God is changing and teaching and using for his purposes in his strength for his glory week after week after week. Listen, God meets with us every week to teach us to make us more like christ jesus and to prepare us for all that he has for us in the days to come it's exciting to be a part of our church family it's exciting to watch god work and move week after week after week amen it's exciting to be a child of god so father we thank you for this morning and god i just thank you for your work in our midst god i thank you that you're changing lives for eternity right here within our church family right here in our community god we know you're doing it in your world but father we thank you that you are including us in your work in in this small section of your world and so father god we ask that you would continue your work in us and through us even in these moments god you're speaking to us and your holy spirit is going to teach us your truth And so father we ask that you would in advance give us courage to obey, give us the desire to obey, give us the strength to obey, God. We want to have eyes to see and ears to hear all that you have for us this morning, God. We know and recognize that your truth is for us. It's also to go through us to all those you place around us. And so, Father, we're ready to receive what you have for us now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Paul, share God's truth for our lives and our relationships. Here in this last teaching passage in chapter 5, Paul started the teaching in this last part of chapter 5 by focusing on the relationship between the pastor and the people, the ministers and the members in the local church family. We focused on this last week in verses 12 and 13. The pastors and ministers of the church are to work hard, they're to lead well, and they're to preach and teach God's word faithfully. The people and members in the church are to recognize their pastors and ministers that are highly esteemed, their pastors and ministers, and they're to live in peace with God, with one another, and with their pastors. And so we focused on this extensively last Sunday. Paul shifted his focus now as we get to verse 14, and he is now going to focus his teaching on the relationship between believers in the church. How believers, how brothers and sisters in Christ, how we are to relate to one another, how we are to minister to one another, how we are to do life with one another. Clearly, in Paul's teaching that we're going to look at this morning and beyond uh, in the weeks to come, clearly in this teaching, Paul was calling on the pastors and the ministers and the mature believers in Christ to step forward and take the lead, so to speak, on ministering to one another God's way. They were to set the example for the rest of the church family and what it means to flesh out these truths that we're going to look at this morning. What it means to minister to one another God's way. This truth, however, was for everyone in the church in Thessalonica, focusing now in on the relationships among the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. The good news for us is this teaching and truth is for all of us this morning. This teaching and truth is for us personally. God's going to speak to us by his Holy Spirit, and it's, he's going to teach us. We need to hear this. That's why he's brought us here this morning. We all need to hear this truth and this teaching. Some of this is going to apply to us. Some of this is going to speak right to where you are, right to where I am, as we look at this passage, and it's going to be a personal message to you. It's going to minister to you. The Holy Spirit's going to do his work of ministry in your heart and your mind, as he begins to heal you, as he begins to change you in the likeness of Christ. And then what I want us to be ready to receive is this truth is not only to us but it's also going to be for those that God places around us so the truth is to us but the truth is also to go through us to those God places around us as we say often to the congregations that God has given to each of us because as followers of Jesus we're ministers for Jesus we each have a congregation that God's going to send us to uh, this day in this week and so it's exciting to to look in this passage And glean all that God has for us this morning. So let's look in verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. Paul said, And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Paul said, And we... We refer to Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul would oftentimes, and we've seen this throughout our study, say and write to them, now we, or and we, which was Paul's way of emphasizing to these believers that he was not alone in his love and encouragement and instruction of these believers. No, he had help. They had others who loved them and encouraged them and instructed them, that meaning specifically Silas and Timothy. He said, and we exhort you. We exhort you. Exhort literally means to come alongside someone to help and to encourage and to urge them on in living for Jesus. And walking in obedience to Jesus and growing in their faith in Christ Jesus. To exhort. To come alongside. The imagery behind this verb, exhort, is that of a parent teaching their child how to ride a bike. And this may bring up some bad memories for some this morning. Uh, I hope not. But as a parent, when you're teaching your children how to ride a bike, what you generally do is you begin and you stand right next to your child and you put them on the bike. And you hold on to the bike because you begin by wanting them just to get comfortable sitting on the bike and making sure their feet hit the pedals and that everything can work well, getting a hold of the handlebars. And then at some point in time, you begin to walk as a parent beside them as they begin to pedal the bike. And then at some point in time you progress to a kind of a slow jog beside your child as they begin to pick up a little speed. And you still have your hand more than likely on the handlebars or on your child or on the bike as they're starting to get used to riding the bike. And then at a certain point in time, you begin to get into a pretty nice jog. And you make sure oxygen is close by as you are jogging and you're holding on to them and you're moving. And then as they get more confident, they start to pick up speed. At some point in time, you get into a full sprint and then you begin to let your hand off the bike. What's happening at every one of those stages is as a parent, you're exhorting your child. You're encouraging your child. You're cheering them on. You're helping them. You're urging them to stay in balance, to keep their eyes up, to hold on to the handlebars. You're encouraging the whole time. You see, the exhortations of the parent give the child the confidence to ride the bike. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, through this letter are coming alongside the believers in Thessalonica to exhort them, to encourage them, to urge them on in following their instructions to them. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy's exhortations to the believers in Thessalonica gave the believers in Thessalonica the confidence and the encouragement they needed to follow the instructions that Paul was writing to them. So Paul said, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters. Once again, Paul referred to these believers as his brothers and sisters because they were family together in Christ Jesus, by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. And then Paul said, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters. And then he began his list. Paul shared four present imperatives as he finished off verse 14. Present imperatives are commands to obey today and every day. Present imperatives are commands for us, you and I, to obey today and every day. They're not suggestions for us to consider. They're commands for us to obey. So what Paul was wanting here for these believers in Thessalonica was for these believers, as they were reading this letter out loud to one another, as they were talking through this letter, as they were gathered together in small groups, no doubt— reading this letter with one another and listening to these commands, they understood and realized Paul's speaking to us and he wants us to put these into practice in our lives and our relationships with one another right now. These commands required these believers to walk by the Spirit. These commands, in order to be fulfilled, required these believers, and they knew this, to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit of God living within them. You see, as these believers walked in the Spirit, not the flesh, God, by His Holy Spirit in them, would empower them to fulfill His commands to them. And the same is true for us today. As we walk by the Spirit, not in the flesh, the Holy Spirit of God, who dwells within us as followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, will empower us to follow these commands from God to us. So we can do exactly what God's calling us to do here through Paul's writing. We can receive this truth for ourselves because this truth is going to describe some of us this morning. And we can certainly share these truths with those that God places around us because without question there are those that we will interact with this week that Apply and fall in line with these truths that Paul is sharing with us this morning. So let's begin looking at these four commands, these four imperatives, and we'll look at each one, remembering as we move forward, we must walk by the spirit, not the flesh. We must walk in God's strength and obedience to God by His power at work in us, so that we can fulfill these commands to us. Number one, we are to warn those who are idle. Warn. Those who are idle, warn literally means to admonish, to caution, to exhort. It means to put in mind before a poor decision is made. Warn, caution, put in mind before a poor decision is made. Warn those who are idle. Those who are idle are are described as those who are disorderly, insubordinate, those who are lazy, out of line spiritually, those who are unruly. This term in Paul's day those who were idle, specifically referred to a soldier who broke ranks with the rest of his unit. The soldier would be described as idle, unruly, out of line with the rest of the unit. This word idle was also used in Paul's day to describe someone who was idle, lazy. Someone who was late to work or, or didn't show up to work at all. So Paul warned, he took these words that they would be very familiar with within the language of their day. It would have immediately evoked a response of understanding when they read warn those who were idle. They would immediately understood what those who were idle what Paul was referring to. Paul warned the believers in the church in Thessalonica to warn and caution their brothers and sisters in Christ who were idle, who were lazy who were unruly or disorderly. Obviously, there were some brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in the church in Thessalonica who were idle, who were lazy, who were out of line spiritually with the rest of the church family. We know that there were some believers who were idle, who were lazy, who were quitting their jobs. They weren't working because Paul addressed this when we were making our way through chapter 4. The point Paul is making for us today as we glean God's truth for our lives and our application is that God wants us to watch out for one another. He wants us to keep an eye on one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. There are over 30 commands Well over 31 another commands in the New Testament that we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to obey, we are called to fulfill, and the way that we're able to obey and fulfill them is by watching out for one another. It's by keeping an eye on one another, you see, we watch out for one another so that we can bless one another. We watch out for one another so that we can carry one another's burdens. We watch out for one another so that we can comfort one another. We watch out for one another so that we can encourage one another. We watch out for one another so that we can help one another. We watch out for one another so that we can meet one another's needs. We watch out for one another so we can minister to one another. We watch out for one another so that we can pray with one another. We watch out for one another so that we can pray for one another. We watch out for one another so that we. can support one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we watch out for one another for so much more. And it's all good stuff. It's all great stuff. But listen, we also are called to watch out for one another so that we can warn one another. We're to watch out for one another so if and when a brother or sister in Christ wanders away from God, the truth of God's word, or the fellowship of God's people, we can reach out to them. We can lovingly warn them in Christ Jesus. We can admonish, we can caution them. We can put God's truth in their minds before they continue in their poor decisions of wandering away from God. If a brother or sister in Christ is out of line spiritually, then Paul is telling us that we are, as their brothers and sisters in Christ, we are, as their loving brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to help warn them, to exhort them, to encourage them, to get back in line spiritually with the rest of the church family. Warn them to get back in line. We need you. We miss you. We want you back in line. A powerful demonstration of our love for one another and our protection of one another and of our care for one another is to warn those who are idle. You see, those who are idle, lazy, and out of line spiritually with God hurt their walk with Jesus, their witness for Jesus, and their work for Jesus. And they also hurt the work and the witness of the church for Jesus. And so Paul said, make sure that you warn, that you caution, that you admonish, that you exhort those who are idle to get back in line. Now, just a quick note here in this, on this point. Satan loves to encourage idleness in followers of Jesus Christ. He loves to encourage laziness, spiritual laziness. And followers of Jesus Christ. He stands ready, willing, alert to help us, to encourage us, to tempt us, to walk in the flesh, not the spirit. Remember, all he can do is lie to us. And so everything he says to us is a lie. Which means whatever he's saying to us, the opposite is actually true. But it's important for us to understand and realize that our enemy is constantly looking for open doors in our lives to encourage idleness, to encourage spiritual laziness, to come alongside us and through his lies and accusations and temptations to us, to encourage us to walk away from God, the truth of God's word, and the fellowship, the accountability, the love, the connection with God's people. Why? Because he wants to isolate us. Satan wants isolation because it leads to destruction. God wants intimacy because it leads to growth. And so we see and understand this. Vitally important that we warn those who are idle. Second command is we're to comfort the discouraged. We're to comfort the discouraged. Comfort means to encourage. It means to share encouragement. It means to care for others. It means to share encouraging words, calming words. It means to console. So to encourage, to calm, to console, that means to comfort, to encourage, to calm, to console, the discouraged. The discouraged is defined as those who are faint-hearted, those who are feeble-minded, those who are little in spirit. Biblically, the discouraged describes those who are timid and fearful to live out their faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul commanded us, Paul commanded these believers, Paul is commanding all believers in Christ Jesus to come alongside the discouraged, the faint-hearted, to come alongside those who are timid and fearful of living out their faith in Christ Jesus and speak encouraging words, speak calming words, speak consoling words to them. We're to comfort them. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we're to Receive comfort from God. God comforts us in all of our troubles and afflictions and trials and tests. And so, as He comforts us, then He tells us that we're to take the comfort we receive from God and we're to comfort others. Why? Simply because we need to be comforted as followers of Jesus Christ and we need to be comforters as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul practiced what he preached as always. Again, Paul always practiced what he preached. If you look in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul said this, As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, say that with me, comforted, and implored each one of you to live worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul practiced what he preached. He comforted the discouraged here. He comforted them when they were with them in Thessalonica. He's now challenging them in his letter to them to comfort those who were discouraged. Some of the believers in Thessalonica, and we know this through our study up to this point, some of the believers in Thessalonica were discouraged. They were discouraged because of the persecution and opposition they were facing. For their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Some were discouraged because they had brothers and sisters in Christ in the church who were dying before the return of Jesus. And they didn't know what that meant, as we've already studied. They were discouraged because of their uncertainty around the coming of Jesus, death and heaven and how that works. They were, some were discouraged because of their battle with sin on a day-by-day basis as they sought to live and please God, as they sought to live holy lives for God, as they sought to love others like God. You see, the discouraged believers needed comfort and encouragement. Paul said, listen, within the local church family, warn those who are idle, but comfort the discouraged. Comfort them, encourage them, console them, help calm them. The discouraged here needed comfort and encouragement. Listen, we need to make sure, as God is speaking to us through this passage, that we comfort the discouraged among us. We need to make sure that we comfort the discouraged among us here within our church family, here right now in these moments. It's easy for us, as followers of Jesus Christ, to get discouraged. Whether it's due to the sin that we just can't seem to shake. Whether it's due to the circumstances that just don't don't seem to change. Whether it's due to the people who continue to cause us hurt and pain and problems. Whether it's due to the lives from the enemy, which are bombarding our minds on a regular day in and day out basis, telling us we don't know enough, we're not good enough, we don't have enough, we're not strong enough, we're not enough, we blew it in the past, we're no good in the present. Whether it's the task that is ahead of us that, that seems to be too great for us, whether it's the prayers that we're praying and praying and praying and praying and they just don't seem to... Be answered yet. It's it's easy for us to get discouraged as followers of Jesus Christ. Listen, discouragement is a real foe that we face in our daily battle of spiritual warfare. He's not putting down the discouraged. He's not ridiculing the discouraged. He's not saying the discouraged are wrong with their discouragement. He's saying comfort, help, encourage the discouraged. That's part of our ministry to one another. That's part of our relationship with one another. We must comfort and encourage the discouraged among us. You say, well, Mark, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I, I feel bad for folks when they're discouraged, and I know I've got some folks who are discouraged, but I just don't know what to say, and, and they're, they're so discouraged. I, I try to get around, but I don't know what to say, and I end up not saying anything, or I end up saying the wrong thing, and, I'm afraid I'm gonna make it worse. Well, let me just help you out here. One of the greatest ways we can comfort and encourage one another, one of the greatest ways we can comfort and encourage the discouraged is through the truth of God's word. Sharing God's word with one another is one of our greatest comforts and encouragements as followers of Jesus Christ. Just sharing and reminding our brothers and sisters in Christ who were discouraged for whatever reason about the truth of God's word that reminds us that I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Since God is for us, no one or nothing can be against us. We're able to remind our brothers and sisters, the Lord God said, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, the scriptures teach us that our God will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The scriptures teach us that my God is able to make all grace abound to us That in all times and always having all that we need, we'll be able to abound in every good work. Our almighty God tells us that he's the one who's at work in us to will act according to his good purpose that his grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in our weakness and therefore we can boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses because that's when God's power rests firmly and securely in and on us you see we can continue to share the truth of God's word if we are anxious all we got to do is cast our cares in the Lord because he cares for us at what time we are afraid we can trust in him the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run to it and are safe you see over and over again It's a call to us to point one another to the truth of God's word, to point one another to what God says about us, to get our minds and our thoughts, which direct our feelings and actions off of what others have said to us, what others have said about us, what Satan is saying to us, and to get our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our feelings and our actions on what this word of God says to us. Because what the word of God says to us is a whole lot better than what our enemy has to say to us. And we are blessed, we are encouraged, we are comforted as we bless, comfort, and encourage one another with the word of God. It's a win-win for us as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so we're to be ministers of comfort and encouragement to one another. Paul is saying, listen, as we walk for Christ as we walk with Christ as we live out our faith and trust in Jesus Christ there are going to be times we're dealing with spiritual warfare there are going to be times when we deal with idleness there are going to be times where we get out of line spiritually with the word of God we need that accountability from one another that warning from one another to get back in line there are going to be times when we're dealing with discouragement times when we're hurting and we need that love and support from one another We need to comfort those who are discouraged. The third command, Paul says, we need to help the weak. We need to help those who are weak, our brothers and sisters who are weak. Help means to care for. It means to hold up firmly and support. That's what a little means, to hold up firmly and support. It means to stay close enough to support one another. Weak, the weak means the feeble, those literally without strength. That's what weak means. The feeble, those without strength. Paul here was specifically referring to spiritual weakness. The strong, mature believers in the church are to help support the young, weak believers in the church. The strong spiritual believers are to help the weak spiritual believers not because they're better or worse, because they've been walking with the Lord longer, have more experience and maturity than those who were just beginning their walk. Remember, this church was a young church, as we shared. It was young in their faith, because these were brand new, brand new believers. The majority of these believers were brand new to the faith. And those who are new to the faith, those who are young in their faith in Christ Jesus, Those who are recent converts to Christ Jesus, those who have recently placed their faith and trust in Christ Jesus may initially struggle with accepting God's forgiveness of their past. They may initially struggle with being tempted to go back into some of the sinful patterns From their past, they may initially struggle with understanding what it really means and how they are to live and please God. They're young in their faith in Christ Jesus. It's understandable. Everyone who is young in their faith goes through that same challenging process. Paul knew this would be true of some of these believers in the church in Thessalonica because they were new to the faith in Christ Jesus. And so Paul said, We must help. He encouraged these believers, help. Those who are young, who are new, who are weak in their faith in Christ Jesus, stay close enough to them so that you can hold them up and support them spiritually. Those who are mature in their faith are to help those who are young in their faith learn how to grow in their faith in Christ Jesus. This is what discipleship is all about. This is discipleship. What he's saying, help the weak. He's saying, disciple one another. It is so vitally important for all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ, as followers of Christ, to be involved in discipleship. Discipleship happens in big group corporate settings, as in right here and right now. So put a big check, pat yourself on the back, pat your neighbor on the back, check that box this morning. Great job. Great job. You're doing it. We're in a discipleship process right now. We're growing in our faith in Christ Jesus. But listen, it doesn't stop in the big group corporately. It's vitally important to get into smaller groups. Our Wednesday night classes, our life teams, our Sunday morning life teams, our Sunday afternoon life teams. They're meeting again today. It's a great opportunity to get connected in the small group, but it doesn't stop there. We must continue even into smaller groups, one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three, allowing someone who is mature in the faith to pour into us so that we are able to grow in our faith in Christ Jesus. And, and then it's up to us to pour in to those who are young in the faith so that they can grow in their faith in Christ Jesus. Discipleship is about being discipled. It's about being a discipler. And so that's what Paul's saying. saying, help the weak. Help one another. Help them because if they help the weak, they can help Keep them from becoming idle. And so we see how important this is. And then he finished with his fourth command. He said that we're to warn those who are idle. We're to comfort the scourge. We're to help the weak. And then he said, be patient with everyone. Hello. Be patient with everyone. I think that's a word for everyone. For all of us. Be patient. There's our fourth command. It's a command we're to obey today and every day. Be patient means to be long-spirited so that we will not give up on someone. It means to be long-tempered, not short-tempered. It means to take a long time to get heated up and angry. That's what be patient means. It means, hey, be patient. Take a long time before you get heated up and angry at someone. He said, be patient with everyone. With everyone means, you ready for this? Everyone Believers and unbelievers, Paul challenged and commanded the believers in the church in Thessalonica to be patient with the people inside the church and the people outside the church. God wants us to follow this command today. God wants us to be patient with everyone. We are able to fulfill this command. We're able to obey this command as we walk by the spirit, as we depend on God and walk in obedience to God by the power of God at work in us. You know, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us as we walk by the Spirit in obedience to God. God wants us, understand this, this is vitally important, God wants us to be patient with everyone. So who does that mean? It means this, God wants us to be patient with ourselves. He wants us to be patient with ourselves. God wants you to be patient with you as you continue growing in your faith in Christ Jesus. We're to be patient with our brothers and sisters in Jesus. So we're to be patient with ourselves, we're to be patient with our brothers and sisters in Jesus. Third, we're to be patient with those who don't yet know Jesus. That pretty much includes everyone, those who do and those who don't, ourselves. We're to be patient as God continues his work in us, through us, and around us. We're to continue to be patient. Continue walking with the Father. Continue depending on Him and walking in obedience to Him, which allows us to continue to be patient with everyone around us. No matter what is going on outside of us, it allows us to be patient to those that God places around us. Understand and remember, God is a patient God. Amen? He's a patient God. He's so patient with us. So it really does make sense that He would command us to be patient with those he places around us. It makes sense that he would command us as husbands to be patient with our wives. It makes sense that he would command our wives to be patient with our husbands. It makes sense that he would command us as parents to be patient with our children, not leading them to wrath, frustration. It makes sense that he would command us as children to be patient with our parents. That He would command all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ to be patient with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Well, because we're all growing day by day in our lightness to Jesus and our love for Jesus and our faith in Jesus. And these truths and these commands when obeyed help. Paul began his beautiful description of what love is and what love does by telling us that love is patient. Love is patient. And so we understand and realize we must be patient with everyone because God said so. And that's, that's good enough. But I want to also suggest that we need to be patient with everyone because impatience does not work. Impatience doesn't work. It doesn't help us warn the idle. Impatience doesn't comfort or encourage the discouraged. Impatience doesn't help those who are weak, or really doesn't help those who are strong in their faith in Christ Jesus. Impatience hurts rather than helps. Impatience is not of the Father. Because we know our God is a patient God. He continues His work in us. He longs for everyone to come to repentance and none to perish apart from is saving knowledge and grace and relationship with His Son our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so once again, we're reminded these commands are for us. We're not to be idle. And we're to make sure that we're ready and willing to warn those who are idle, to comfort the discouraged, to run to the discouraged. Quite honestly, as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we know if someone is discouraged, when someone's hurting, man, we should take out an all-out sprint. All-out sprint to them. We should stay so close to those who are young in the faith that we can help hold them up and support them. And help them to learn how to walk on their own in their new relationship with Christ Jesus. Being patient with everyone that God places around us. Why? Because He's so patient with us. How can we be any different? See, this passage is so encouraging. This passage is so encouraging to you and me today because it reminds us that God is with us, that God loves us, that God's at work in us, that God's got a great plan for us. It reminds us that God wants to use us in one another's lives. It reminds us that God wants His truth in us to go through us to those he places around us. It reminds us that we're family in Christ Jesus. We need one another. It reminds us to watch out for one another because we love one another. It reminds us to watch out for one another so that we can bless one another, so that we can comfort one another. It reminds us to watch out for one another so that we can carry one another's burdens. It reminds us to watch out for one another so that we can help one another, so that we can encourage one another, so that we can minister to one another. It reminds us that we are to watch out for one another so that we can support one another, so that we can warn one another, so that we can pray with and for one another. Remember, the Christian life is the best life. The Christian life is the blessed life, but the Christian life is not the easy life. It's not the easy life. It is not easy living for Jesus in a world that is opposed to Jesus. Amen? It's not easy. I should say it's not easy for those who are serious about living for Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus. It may be easy if you're just wanting to see in the stands the Christian life, not wanting to say anything, just keep your mouth shut and wait for the trumpet sound so you can get in. It's not easy living for Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus. You see, it's easy for us to get discouraged as followers of Christ. It's easy for us to get overwhelmed with the circumstances that we are facing as followers of Jesus Christ. It's easy for us to grow weary in doing good as followers of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul, his truth to us from God Almighty through him, is so timely for us. You see, Paul reminds us and tells us we fulfill God's commands to us as we walk in God's power in us. You and I, we fulfill God's commands to us as we walk in God's power in us. We warn those who are idle. We comfort the discouraged. We help those who are weak and young in their faith in Christ Jesus. And we are able to be patient with everyone in God's strength with God's wisdom, not ours. For his honor and his glory. For his fame and his name. So let's put God's word in the practice in our lives and in our relationships right now. You remember we started at the beginning and we said these are four present imperatives. These are four commands to obey today, right here and right now. So let's bless one another. Let's carry one another's burdens. Let's comfort one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's support one another as we pray with and for one another In the name of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, right now, why? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead us in this time of invitation and response.